This is DZFE's Maestro Filipino, a focus for music with a connection to home. For this edition, I'm Daniel. Carmencita Arambulo loved not just her students, but people in general. She was the vibrant life of many gatherings, and it is no exaggeration to say, the mother of an entire system of music education in the country. She is sorely missed, that is no surprise, but what might be a surprise is that, even though she was at the center of Philippine music pedagogy, the teaching community, even that of Green Hills Music Studio, is not left scrambling in her wake. Perhaps that is the mark of the very best of teachers. They mold their students and then help them to stand on their own. We hear as much from our guests on the second of our two-part tribute to Mrs. A. First, here is her former student and colleague, Carolyn Cheng, picking up where she left off last week. She was very hardworking, and she was very creative. Even with the Suzuki method, when she would learn something, she would gather us, you know, the teachers in her studio. Oh, I'm doing it this way. After three years, she's not doing it that way anymore. I'm doing it now this way. <laughs> and then after a while, she's doing trying something else again. She was uh, relentless in her search for ways to teach, to teach something better. And she would always tell us, you know, if the student is good, you don't have to be such a good teacher. But when the student is bad or can't get it, then your ability as a teacher comes out. Dun lalabas yung galing mo as a teacher. Because, you know, with Suzuki, they feel that every child can. So some of the kids that Mrs. A had to teach were not exceptional. They were very ordinary and some were downright uncoordinated. But she accepted them all. And I was sometimes amazed at the diligence, the hardworking thing was really there. And then it challenged her creativity. How am I going to reach this student? What's the way that I can reach the student and solve this problem? Get the kid to play. That was very, very strong in her teaching. And I guess somehow we also picked it up, at least this kind of attitude. You know, with Suzuki Method, the parents are supposed to be actively involved in teaching the kids at home. And so they sort of take care of the practicing and they come to you for lessons. And then you you form them and expect the mom to follow up at home. Now, she had these three siblings who were very intelligent, but the mom also had a high-powered job, you know, was an executive at some uh, foreign company and then was abroad frequently, so was not around to teach the kids. So Mrs. A was like, you know, how am I going to get them to finish a book? When you finish a book, you have like an exam, so you have to play a certain number of pieces memorized. She would tell them to come to her studio every day every day, and she would practice them. She was willing to do this. I mean, for me, I would not be willing to do it. But she was willing to do this. I think she believed in the kids, and she believed in their ability, and she felt that they could do it. So she was going to make the effort to get them to do it. 
And so this drive also for excellence was very strong with her. That, you know, she wanted the students always to be excellent. That was why her students ended up winning in competitions. When you do the Suzuki, to a certain extent, you bring it even down to the very beginning, to the book one level. At the end of book one, you have to play all the 19 pieces, 19, sort of, right? But there are quite a few number of pieces. They have to be memorized and it's uh, graded in an exam. So it's like a mini recital. It's probably 15 minutes of playing. For a five-year-old or a six-year-old child, that is quite a feat. And you're giving them already a taste of what it will be like when they do a full solo recital, let's say at the end of college or at the end of high school. So this high level of expectation, this excellence was brought down to the level of the kid. And Mrs. A had this idea of excellence even for her own self. Because of Suzuki, she decided to open a preschool. And in order to run the preschool, she felt she had to do a master's in education in the preschool level. So she went to UP and enrolled. And she had to get a flat one, the highest grade, for all her subjects. It had to be that way. She would not accept any grade less. I was telling her, Mrs. A, you're working. You have kids. You don't have to get a flat one all the time anymore. But for her, walang patawat, no letting go. She really had to get that highest grade. That was her expectation for herself. And then it was at a time where we had to print papers, use the computer. She didn't know how to use the computer, but she would handwrite all her assignments and ask the secretary to type it out. What dedication and what, uh, you know, it was really the perseverance and determination was really high for her. She was just that sort of a person. A bit of a lighter question. Some of the older maestros that we talked about, for example, Ruben Reyes, when I did a tribute program for him, one of the things that his protégés mentioned is that they loved bonding over food. Now, Mrs. Arambolo's students, of course, still come together, even outside of the context of music. So what did you like to bond over? Well, Mrs. A was very fun-loving because, you know, full of life. She was fun-loving and she loved to eat. And even if it's bawal, she's going to eat it. <laughs> she's really funny because she gets her way. Sometimes it drives her daughter crazy. Even when she had cancer, you know, sugar is supposed to be the food for cancer, right? But every once in a while, she'd get away and then you'd see her, she'd be eating ice cream. <laughs> she believed in also recital preparation. Like before your recital, all her recitalees <laughs> had a particular tradition. Before their recital, they had to spend one week in her house. They slept over, and that was her way so that she could guard and make sure that they were practicing properly. Remember the eight hours a day? And then at that time, they were internas. The students lived in the schools. So they were like in the convent already. So she carried that tradition, but not for the whole year just for the week before the recital. And then the night before, she would treat them to steak, to House of Minis. All of them had to pass through that. She has a certain prescription what to do on that day. And actually part of it, let's say joining a competition, she would also say, you have to go to mass. 
Part of it would be prayer, always before every performance. Mrs. A was a very faith-filled person. So early on, also even for me, she told me, okay, they need an organist in the church. You have to play in the church. So I had to learn how to harmonize and all that sort of thing. But she made sure that we would pray before every recital. We would offer the performance or the competition or the results. We would lift it up to the Lord, give thanks for the talent that he has given to the child, offer the effort, the performance to the Lord. And it's freeing and it calms the student down. Every recital starts with a prayer. Every board meeting of the Philippine Suzuki Association would start with a prayer. Every concert, we would have a prayer. I mentioned that she started the preschool. It's called Children's Talent Education Center because she wanted to understand young kids. I mean, you know, with traditional piano, you start teaching children at about seven or eight years old. Maybe the youngest is about six. But suddenly with Suzuki, we were accepting children as young as four three, four, five-year-olds. So in order to understand these children better, that's why she started uh, Children's Talent Education Center. This term, talent education, is a Suzuki term because you think talent, how can you educate talent? That doesn't make any sense, all right? But it's really a Suzuki term because Dr. Suzuki believed that every child would, every child had talent. What he means by talent is ability. Every child has an ability to learn. So the Children's Talent Education Center existed for the education of Mrs. A also in a way. Because of it, she undertook Montessori training. She did her master's in UP. So she really understood the little kids a lot better. And I saw so many pictures of her in the wake with these little kids. And they are some of the happiest pictures of Mrs. A. It's really amazing. She really loved being with the little children. It brought so much joy to her heart. She helped prepare them to get to the big school, to pass in a big school. And that was quite an achievement for her. And she boasted about it, that her school had so many graduates. But because of shrinking family size, competition from other preschools, and then, you know, a lot of parents were doing more homeschooling. She had to close the preschool just before the pandemic started. But, you know, it was also good. She came full circle. Parang she accepted that it was time to let go. And then the pandemic struck. It, it would have died anyway. It was beautiful. And we just had a good time. And she knew she had a good run. It really is like there is an entire era of music education defined by Mrs. Arambulo. And you say she likes boasting about her students who went into bigger schools. I'm sure she has a lot to boast about. <laughs> That's true. How did you take the news that Mrs. Arambulo had passed away? Actually, I was sort of expecting it because since I was going to the studio, I knew she was sick. It's just like, oh, finally, you oh, it has happened. Something more like that. And I'm a person who doesn't react quickly. Sometimes with this grief or whatever, it takes me time. It takes me three or four days before I come to terms with it. But you see, when we had originally found out that she had cancer in 2021, I already cried a lot of tears. I already let go because I was talking to a co-teacher and she was saying, oh no, colon cancer. His aunties went in three months. 
I thought she would go in three months. The fact that she lasted a year and a half more was truly amazing and that she went through the chemotherapy and all. But I think part of it is due to her positive attitude. And because of her faith, she entered into the suffering very well, trusting in the Lord. She was a good patient. She was not so pasaway. She was not so disobedient on the important things, once in a while only. But she was very aware of her condition. Some students transferred to me, and the mom was telling me that Mrs. A kept on telling her, you better do your exam already. She wanted her to finish her book by November because I don't know if I will be around anymore. So she lived with her mortality and had that in front of her. It was accepted. The way she was talking about it was, you know, like very matter of fact, I don't know how long I will still be here. So while I was surprised, I was not surprised. (laughs) Uh, God is good. He prepared, I think, all of us in a certain sense for her passing. I think that may have been one final lesson that she was able to impart upon her students, suffering in faith. Now, finally, how will you remember Mrs. Arambolo? Of course, you've been talking about that all this time. But to rephrase that question, I imagine it can go something like this. What is the vacuum that she leaves behind? Oh, that's hard. (laughs) First, in Green Hills Music Studio, she was always the, the life of the studio. I think her daughter, Rika Arambolo, will have to pick that up. I am happy to say that, at least in the Philippine Suzuki Association, when she let me be vice president, and then after that, I took over as president. But that was already in 2018. So that was a good five years ago. And little by little, things were, she had transferred stuff already. I mean, how will I remember her? Like a guiding star? Like your patron saint? (laughs) Because that's how she was always there. That's how I really remember her. She was always there in the studio if I had a problem with the student, especially early on when I was still learning to teach. I would run to her. What do I do with this student? This student is like that, like that. What do I do like that? And then she would tell me it's tough to do. And then finally, it got to the point when I was asking her what to do. She said, just carry on, which means I don't have answers. You go ahead and just go ahead and do it. So I think that's the feeling that I have that She's still there. She's still supporting. One of the last things I told her before her final illness, and we had a graduation concert in St. Scholastica's College on April 2, and she attended that one. And then I told her, this is the legacy that you have left us, and we are carrying it on in your name. We are happy to carry forth, you know, to keep doing all these things Because she started it, she showed us the way. We will carry it on, involve more people, and make it even better. I was trying to reassure her that she didn't have to worry about this, at least to Suzuki, because it's in good hands. We love it. We won't let it die. We'll do better by it, you know, something like that. So this last week, We missed her presence. Even the foreign teachers were looking for her. They said they were looking forward to seeing her one last time. It it was not meant to be. But, you know, she was there in everything that we did. Really, the fact that you wouldn't have to scramble to cover things that she left behind, the fact that she was able to prepare for these, hand them over, I think that's a testament to her dedication to her craft. 
to her calling that even though she often, as you say, was the life of the party, she, it seemed like she loved to be at the center of things. She didn't make it so that people depended on her. As a teacher, she groomed her students to be able to stand up on their own feet. Really the mark of a good teacher. I will say yes. that, you know, she's really selfless because there are some teachers, they hold things back. They don't give everything. She gave everything that she knew. She would teach you and make sure you went on to the next step.
that was pianist John Elijah Bendishon, a student of Carolyn Cheng and a friend of Mrs. A, in the opening movement of Franz Josef Haydn's Piano Sonata in C Major and the O Policinello from Etor Villa Lobos, A Prole do Bebe. Mrs. A was ultimately not just a piano teacher, but a music teacher. So she touched the lives not only of pianists, but also of other musicians, such as violinist Cynthia Sanchez. She joins us as we remember the life of Mrs. A. I first had the pleasure of meeting Mrs. A when I was just eight years old. It was an unforgettable encounter that took place at my mother's workplace, which is the Greenhouse Music Studio, which happened to be owned by Mrs. A herself. So stepping into that studio was like entering a children's paradise. There's a little park there filled with the enchanting melodies of music. So it's really a paradise for children. What struck me most about Mrs. A was her unique affection for children. I can still recall excitement as she carefully observed each and every child in her presence. Maybe I think at that time, she was still in the process of discovering her own legacy. Not just as a musician, but as a nurturing figure in the lives of those around her. So Mrs. A's nurturing nature extended not only to her young clients, but also to her employees, because my mom is uh, employed there at the Greenwich Music Studio. So she approached her business with a genuine desire to assist and uplift everyone involved. So I remember her introducing the Laurenti business. This is a jewelry business venture, which unfortunately didn't take off as expected with my mother. However, I firmly believe that Mrs. A didn't really initiate it solely for personal gain, but uh, she had the well-being of her employees in mind, seeking to create additional income streams for them. So this was just one example of how she distinguished herself as more than just a boss. She was really a true friend. Yeah. So in summary, <laughs> my initial encounter with Mrs. A at the Greenhouse Music Studio left a lasting impression on me. Her love for children, combined with her nurturing approach to both clients and employees, set her apart from other employers. Mrs. A wasn't merely a boss. She was a compassionate and supportive presence in the lives of those fortunate enough to know her. That's how I met her, through my mom. Yeah. Of course, we've heard how Mrs. Rambolo loved children, loved people yeah. in general. Yeah. It's interesting to hear that she was also an incredibly compassionate employer. Did you ever get to work for or with Mrs. Rambolo? Well, in some special project, yes, I did. And she was like encouraging me to, you know, to head a department in the school. But I said no, because at that time, I really wanted to be a musician. But, you know, she sees a leadership in me. So she talked to me like five times and then she stopped and I said, Mom, I want to improve my skill. Okay. And she said, okay. <laughs> That is really a lot like the Mrs. Rambolo I've heard of. She was really pushing her students to achieve excellence. She saw potential in them and she never let it go. <laughs> yes. uh, with Jana Pena, Carolyn Cheng, even Roweta Ariena, and she seems to have done the same thing for you. Yes, for me and my siblings, but actually for all my family. At that time, you wanted to become a performing artist. So how yes. did Mrs. Rambolo influence you as a musician, maybe as a person in general? She pushed me to be the best that I can. 
whenever we have performance and I felt that somebody else is better than me, she would say, you, you know, you are good at this. You are good at that. So she was a very encouraging supporter. And she's a pianist and I'm a violinist. So she's very sensitive with every student at the Greenless Music Studio. When we feel down, she will come, she will talk to us and said, you know, you played the sonata very well. Because she was my teacher in theory at St. Paul University, Manila. We were doing some sight reading and then she's asking each her students to sing. And then she said, you know what, Cynthia, you have a good voice. <laughs> First time. So she would really look something in you. She would just say good things about people. So very encouraging. It's amazing that Mrs. Arambulo, although she was a pianist, her mentorship really extended beyond the instrument that she played. Were there any lessons that she left behind that you kept with you? I remember her with the seven C's. She is caring because Mrs. A is known for her genuine care and compassion towards her students, as I've been saying earlier. Well, she create a warm and welcoming environment where students feel supported and valued. She's molding us in a way to have confidence, right? The second C that I want to remember her is that she is community-oriented. So Mrs. A understands the importance of building sense of community, good community among her students. She encourages collaboration and fosters spirit of unity within us, creating opportunities for students to connect with one another through music. She doesn't like for us to compete with each other. And of course, she's creative. You know, um, Mrs. A is a good performer as well, but she chooses to be a teacher, to impart her knowledge to the Filipino students. So with her passion for music, Mrs. A brings a unique and creative approach to her students. She encourages students to explore their own musicality. So fostering creative and self-expression, she's, she's really good at that. So we don't feel like this student is better than I am. We are all one. And then the fourth C's that I want to remember her is Cherry's advisor. I chose the letter C because Carmen Cita. So Cherry's advisor. Beyond being a teacher, she serves as a trusted advisor and mentor towards students. She always there to lend an ear offer guidance and provide support both academically and personally. So I have a lot of um, heartaches that I shared with her and her advices really worked. <laughs> She's also a champion of faith. When my mother was ill, she has a very busy schedule, but she will find time to call me and say that you pray with me, so we pray for your mom. And then um, last two, no? the confidence builder. Yeah, as I've said earlier, she really encouraged every student. Mrs. A recognized the importance of building confidence in her students. She encouraged students to step out of their comfort zones, providing a nurturing environment that allows students to take risks, learn from their mistakes, and grow as a musician and individual. I have a group in Ateneo called the Musician Friends of the Jesuits. One time we were talking about our past schools and then we suddenly realized that we all came from Guinness Music Studio. The last one is collaborative. Mrs. A understands the power of collaboration and the value of teamwork. She creates opportunities for students to work together, whether through group performances, ensemble activities, or musical projects, fostering a sense of camaraderie and share accomplishment. So that's how I remember Mrs. Arambulo. 
You did mention many times that she loved bringing not just her students, but lots of other people together. What did she use to bring people together? Musical activities most of the time. Opportunities to highlight your skills. And then uh, she would make activities so that we can gather together. That's how she do it. Food and music. How did you receive the news that Mrs. Arambolo had passed? Oh, I was in shock because before she really got sick, we were always together. She would call me and ask me if I can go to Greenhouse Music Studio to, you know, to talk to her about her personal struggles. We would talk a lot of things like her legacy, which is the Philippine Suzuki Association, how she wants to continue it, but her body can no longer, you know, work anymore. All her struggles, uh, she would tell me. And then um, as Mrs. A, a caring mother, a caring friend, really shown. I remember how she always calls me, just go to GMS to share her fears, her struggles. And then at the same time, consoling me because, you know, um, at that time, I was really in my rock bottom because, you know, all of the things that happened. My mom died in 2019 and then COVID came in the following year. She would always assure me of who I once once really touched my heart. She would always tell me that, you know, Tintia, before you were like this, so don't let other people put you down. You just continue on your life. So even if in her lowest point, she would try to console me. I thought whenever she calls me, she just wanted to share her struggles. But she was really a friend. And then suddenly, I have no contact with her. I was trying to call her. And then I didn't know that she's already, you know, very sick at that time. How did you become so close to Mrs. Rambulo? I don't know, but... Me and my, my siblings really consider her as our second mother. Whenever we're down, we just have to, you know, can you help us, Achi? Because my, my siblings call me Achi. Achi, can we go to Mrs. A to just talk with her? She always makes sure to get in touch, not only to me, but to other students. Because during the week, I was surprised that she can do all these things. So she is close to so many. During pandemic, musician doesn't really have work. So I decided to try to bake for the first time. And then whenever I post something on Facebook, she would be my first client. She would just like buy anything I'm selling. I make a musical mass and then she will buy everything and she would call her friends to buy from me. That's so funny, but very supportive. Still, she would also tell me about the business that has been closed on their part. She would really try to help. She's done so much. She's helped so many people. But now that she has passed on, what do you think will be the gap that she leaves behind? I don't feel that she left already. If people who hearing this would like to know her, they need to experience her life. Maybe they should learn about the Suzuki method. Maybe she loves this project. I'm not a member of the Suzuki method, but I was trained Suzuki. I'm actually still working on my license for Suzuki. But, you know, um, I don't feel she left already because if you want to experience her, you need to know about the Suzuki method. Whenever I read about Suzuki, oh, this is Mrs. Aram.
that was a work close to the heart of Mrs. A. The Stella Maris, composed by Manolin Francisco, Silvino Boris, and Norman Agatep, performed by pianist Marius Villaroman, and the Sanchez String Quartet, in an arrangement by Ria Villena Osorio. It is difficult to find a classical musician in the Philippines who, one way or another, has not been touched by the life and work of Mrs. A. Her legacy lives on in every Suzuki student in the country and far beyond. That is all for this Maestro Filipino, DZFE's weekly feature for fine music in our locale. Each episode airs Saturday at 12 noon, the following Sunday, 12 midnight, and lastly, the next Thursday at 8 in the evening. Maestro Filipino episodes are uploaded every week on our SoundCloud and Spotify channels. Once more, this is Daniel, and thank you for listening.